We're back with a brand new episode of the Immigrant Hustle Podcast. This week, B-Magic and I are joined by our sometimes co-host, Dusty Loops, as we welcome all the way from Seattle, street photographer KP, also known as Garm Street. This episode is broken up into two pieces. In the first half, KP talks about his family's migration from India all the way to the west coast of North America, moving up and down from Vancouver to California and then eventually settling in Seattle. The second half of this episode sees KP and Dusty, two master photographers, talk about the art and the philosophy of street photography. These are two brilliant minds that are experts at what they do. So if you're a photographer or if you're thinking about getting involved in photography, this is a must-listen episode because there are a lot of gems dropped for newcomers trying to get in the game. We hope you enjoy. This is Season 2, Episode 7 of the Immigrant Hustle Podcast. Okay, this is the Immigrant Hustle Podcast. I am your host, B-Magic. I got my boy Noise with me. Yes, yes. Uh, very interesting setup we got going on today. We are sharing one mic at the moment. Um, I, you're like Mean Gene right now, and I feel like Hulk Hogan, but it's all good. You know, it's another fantasy being lived out right now. Hulk Hogan minus the racism. <laughs> Definitely minus the racism. <laughs> Yo, and we got another special guest today. Who's back? Yeah, the reason why we're sharing a mic... Um, because we got we <laughs> <laughs> to shit on him just right off the get go. Like uh, yeah, but welcome back, Dusty. We haven't uh, we haven't seen you since season one, episode one. I've been busy, guys, <laughs> working on my Netflix special. <laughs> welcome back to Combo Studios, man. Don't, don't feel like a stranger, bro. Yo, stop saying that. Man. I hate every time you say that. But yo. I'm, I'm loving the combos, man. Oh, man. Yeah. Just yeah. wait till this whole friggin' basement is covered in yeah. combos. <laughs> there's like somewhere, there's like a Pakistani uncle that's like selling rugs, and he's like, I need this. Hold like, on, hold on, about. hold on. First of all, you're not allowed to talk yet, all right? You gotta, you gotta listen to the rules, all right? Now that you've heard his voice, on today's, uh, on today's podcast, we have a very special guest. I think our first American guest, no? Oh, wow. Yeah, all the way from Seattle. Seattle. Wash- would that be Washington? That is Washington. Oh, yo. <laughs> nice. Shout out to my American geography. <laughs> but yeah, today in the building or in the basement in Gumbo Studios, we have none other than photographer KP from Seattle. How does it feel to be in Cumble Studios? It, it's it's amazing. It's amazing, and at the same time, I feel like I need to be doing something with my life because he's shooting a <laughs> Netflix special. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you guys own this. You know, it's a it's a it could be overwhelming to have this many Cumbles around you. It, it, it could uh, open old wounds, but um, I hope you feel comfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's something about the Cumbles, you know. <laughs> um, so first of all, what do you what do you do what what why are you gracing us with your presence here in Canada, first of all? Uh, well, um, well, I'm just here to see family, really. Yeah. Um, but I've, I come back here regularly, and I just made a ton of friends through social media, uh, and Dusty Loops being one of them. And uh, so just every time I'm here, it's, it's always amazing to, to, to come in and just meet a bunch of creative people and get re-energized again, and then take that with me. Dope, dope. And as always, Noise, what would you like to start off with? You know, obviously, you know, Vancouver is a big hub of South Asians coming to North America on the West Coast. We know Yuba City. Yeah. Um, so how did your family get settled in Seattle? Um, well, we originally, I moved to the States uh, in 1995. And so I was, I was born in India, um, but quite young when we moved uh, to the States. But um, we moved to California originally. And then we had a bunch of like family stuff going on, so yeah. that basically relocated us to Seattle, where we have family. But yeah, uh, we we re- relocated to Seattle. We've got a bunch of family. My dad had like extended cousins and stuff that yeah. uh, were in like the hotel industry, and okay. they owned a bunch of gas stations. So um, my parents just kind of went to where you know we had family. Yeah, yeah. So what was that transition like for you, or like what were some of the the factors behind why your parents decided to leave? India uh, and come, come out here. Uh, my dad originally came to America um, mm-hmm. two months before I was born. 
Okay. Um, and it was it wasn't because he was like I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you guys alone or he wasn't ditching us or anything like that. Uh, he just he did he immigrated here and then in order to immigrate and then uh, you know get get some sort of status and then get your family to immigrate that's a long process. Yeah. Uh, and especially when you're just like he when he was down in California. Uh, my dad uh, originally moved to Vancouver and then basically worked his way down to California. When he was in California, um, you know he was just hanging out. He was like living with like men, right? Like the that typical like situation of like a whole bunch of men living together in like one apartment. Mm-hmm. And so um, he, I, I didn't actually like. I, I think he came back to see me once, but again, I was a baby, so I, I feel like I didn't meet meet my dad until I was like six or seven years old when we moved to to California. And uh, at the time, my dad had basically picked up a habit. Like, he was he was an alcoholic. Yeah. And at the time, uh, he'd been in and out of, like, the, the prison system so much, mm-hmm. uh, just for random crimes, including stuff at home. But he would also go do, like, crazy stuff, like, outside the house. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but he'd just been in and out of the system so much that, and he'd never got his citizenship. So he always just had a green card. So that it, he was just like a step away from deportation. Yeah. But uh, but yeah. So we we just ended up in Seattle because of family. Um, and uh, as far as like as far as like me getting adjusted to it, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was too young to like really I think notice it. But yeah. I definitely remember. Uh, I definitely remember getting teased a lot. Like it's America. It's like legitimate America. Yeah. I know. Like it, it's it it seems like kind of a foreign place. But like, and you guys have like a completely unique culture here in Toronto. Where um, you know there's there's a bunch of people that are from different like backgrounds, and so it's not really scrutinized as much. But like mm-hmm. in Seattle, I was growing up like in elementary school. I was definitely in the ESL classes. Yeah. Um, and then ESL. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely in the ESL classes until about like third grade, I want to say. Okay. And then I moved to a, a different school, and in that school, it's just me and one other guy. Uh, Amrit yeah. and who's still a friend of mine, but Yo, shout um, out to Amrit. Yeah, though. shout out to Amrit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, me and him, it was it was just really us. And uh, I used to back in the day, I used to like wear wear a case and everything too. So it was kind of, I mean, it was definitely hard. Like kids used mm. to be like, "What's under there?" And you're like, "You got long hair," and then you're like, "Oh, so you're." you're a girl like you got long yeah, hair you know same kind of bs and i yeah. remember i remember like one time we were playing uh like i don't know if you guys play tetherball out here yeah is, is that a thing okay yeah yeah it's like a ball on a string you, you just spin it around yeah, yeah so sign it up <laughs> <laughs> so we uh we were playing tetherball and i remember like the ball came back and like hit the side of my head and like my kids came off a little bit oh, and i no. literally remember like 50 kids like gathering around and it was like this event like <laughs> yo that's true that was my biggest fear in elementary school yeah. was that my hair was gonna open in yeah. the playground, and I'm like, "Yo, my mom's not here to help me tie this <laughs> right now." Right? Yeah, I was same. I was like, uh, yeah. "How am I gonna put this thing back together?" Yeah. Um, we uh, we we moved around a lot, and so especially where I went to high school, there was definitely there was no like opening. Um, and so it was just really trying to fit in where you could. And for me, mm-hmm. that was always like, uh, the. the in a weird kind of way, it was like just anyone that wasn't white because just white people are so different from us. Like, mm-hmm. and like I had a bunch of black friends and they were all, and, 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 and it's a little bit different. Me and Dusty were talking about this yesterday because most black people that you meet in America, like they don't really know where they come from. Like they come yeah. from federal way. Like that's the city we're in. Right. 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 Um, they didn't really have a, like a concept of like where their background was, but they still were like raised like us in the sense that like, they got beat up, like they got disciplined, quote unquote, mm. um, like we did. And like, they kind of had similar family values. Um, they wouldn't like go cuss out their mom or something like that. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, <laughs> uh, and so, um, in high school we had where I grew up, there was just like, it was clicks, but it was like based on race basically. Yeah. And so the main ones were like, we had Samoan kids and like all of them were like huge, like all of them look like the rock and Shout out uh, to the rock. yeah and like <laughs> we had uh we had like the the ukrainian kids and we had uh you know just like in in general i think those were like the two worst and they would always fight mm. when you're going through all this stuff like in elementary yeah. and high school like artistically like where are you sure right i feel like as artists like we always live too right lives, right you're living right. Your regular life with your kids and stuff, but then mentally you're somewhere else and you're trying yeah. to find yourself, right? I, I at the time I honestly can say I was not like I was consuming art more than I was like even thinking about creating it, right? 
And so um, I, uh, I, I was, it's weird because I was having this conversation with Dusty yesterday. And I was like really, really young. I uh, remember going up to my dad and um, I don't know if you guys had like in the back of magazines where like you could order those kits that would like teach you how to drop, but you just had to pay shipping and handling and it was free, quote unquote. Yeah, They'd probably yeah. sign you up for some scam, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I asked my dad to order it and my dad's like, Joe, we got to get that, right? Like, he's like, of course. you're going to be a doctor, right? <laughs> or like, you're going to, you're going to go to school for business. Yeah. My dad had like an MBA and like did nothing with it in his life, yeah. honestly, but um, like I had a desire at a certain point and it was, it was when I was in elementary school to like draw and like, in my mind, I was like, I'm good. Like, but I was like garbage and I, it's all okay. It I've took, been there. I've been there, <laughs> done that thinking I'm Picasso. Yeah, out yeah. Here. And, and I, all it took was like between like my dad telling, like just shutting it down a couple of times. And then like, like just a couple of people telling me I'm, I'm bad that I was just like, I don't even want to like invest time in this, even though I still like really thought it was cool and I wanted to do it. Um, and like, like hip hop for me has been like a part of my life since I was like, you know, as basically when I got to a point where I could speak English well enough to like understand like what they were saying, like my sister put me onto like Tupac and like is game over from there. What's right. The, what's the age difference between you and your sister? So I have two older sisters. My oldest sister is like five years old and five years older than me. And then my uh, middle sister is three years older than me. Okay. And she's the one that like put me on a Tupac. Yeah. Stuff. So but they, she, they, you obviously influenced you. Right. And right. And at the time, like she was listening to like, you know, it was like the Ja Rule era and like all of that. Right? Shout out to Ja. So, <laughs> so she put me on to like uh, one of the first songs, which is still like one of my favorite songs to this day is like unconditional love like yeah. by Tupac. Yeah, it's yeah. just one like one of my favorite songs and like uh like I grew up without my dad for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um and the years that my dad was there were like troubling without going into too much detail. Yeah, yeah. Like you put that together. Uh uh and so for me it was just really like that father figure, right? It's like Jay-Z said where he's like we don't have dads but like we get to pick who our dads are. Like literally that that's yeah. what that was for me. No, yeah, well, um, I know for me that was one of the reasons why why I fell into l love with hip hop as well mm -hmm. was because when anything is going wrong in your household or in your life, right. you realize well, to certain people, not to all, right? But to certain people, music is therapy, yeah. right? You, even You don't even necessarily need to hear somebody talking about what you're exactly going through. Yeah. But it's still, yo, I'm going to be in my room, I'm going to bump this music, right. and it's therapeutic, yeah. right? So in, the, in that sense, that's when I got a greater appreciation for the message behind music. Sure. So the likes of Tupac, like I have a, like a big gap between me and my older brothers. I'm the yeah. youngest, right? And... That was the stuff that they were pumping me with. Right. And the older I got and the more I was going through these things that they, because they were in their early 20s while, yeah. while a lot of these classic albums came out in the 90s. And that spoke to me and still speaks to me till this day. Yeah, yeah. Now that I'm even at a, like older than they were when they wrote that. Right. I think of it and I'm I'm just like, how the fuck were they were so they, wise? Yeah, yeah. Right? And I'm like, and, and it, like literally those words still have that same effect today. Sure, for sure. And especially with someone like Tupac and like the political stuff that he has, it's so relevant, right? It's still relevant. You could put Tupacalypse on now no. and it sounds like from such a different era because the later Tupac stuff could be contemporary in some weird kind of way. Like it still sounds somewhat vintage, but like you could put Tupacalypse on and no one's going to mistake that as something that came out in the 2000s, let's say, right? Yo, but at the same time, the message that's in those songs and, you know, like, just just the deeper underlying tone that he has yeah. is just so relevant right now. We, we've talked about this before, too. When it comes to street photography, I have, like, two approaches. And I they're not, like, official approaches, but I, I think they're, they're probably... It's the two ways you can go about it. One is you're trying to capture something in, like, somewhat of a true essence, right? You're trying to capture a moment, and it's something that's speaking to you. Yeah. And hopefully if you do it right, it's speaking to other people. And there's like they can literally look at a picture and there's a story there. Yeah. Whether that's true or not, it's, it's not the case, right? And as a photographer... Um, you know, sometimes a lot of people have this perception that you're going to you're going to you're going to make something that's true. Right. But I'll tell you right now, like I shoot more, quote unquote, candid style, but I'm shooting stuff how I see it. There's a story in my head. Sometimes I don't go up to these people and ask them what they're doing, which would just be weird anyway. But like I shoot a scene as I see it in my head. 
And it's I didn't choreograph it in the sense that I'd impose people or or uh, adjust the lighting or you know anything like that or pick the setting, but I choreographed it in the sense that this moment is saying something to me right now. So when you pick a, when so, you pick a scene, sure. Do you are you one of those that literally just waits until someone? I do walks a bit of both. I'm not patient. Like yeah. I wish that's something I'm trying to develop in myself. Right. Because um and it's starting to develop a lot more because I'm starting to uh something we were talking about yesterday uh, going back to the elitist conversation was shooting film. And so I learned how to shoot on film, but then I completely like picked up a digital camera and I was just obsessed. I was obsessed with post-processing. And I remember in those early years, I was that guy that was like, it's not about what you get in the camera. It's about like, I can make it look beautiful post. Right. But, but you but have see, to learn that lesson, right? But like that you, post-processing thing is funny too, right? Because a lot of people that, I, that I've spoken to, even like, you know, my friends that, that started out in photography, yeah. right? They're just looking at it as like they shoot something and they're like, don't worry, I, I'll fix it in yeah, post, look, I got yeah, it, right? Yeah. But then I was asking them like, but do you understand like when you use stuff like apps like VSEO and you see those filters, yeah. what is that What is that filter? And they're just looking at it as like, oh, that's just BK1, BK2. I'm like, no, exactly, yeah. that filter is emulating film. a film, yeah. right? So back in the day, like if you're shooting, um, yeah, on film, like, yeah. you know, uh, analog style, you you um, you have to go select a film that's going to work to the scenario sure. that you're trying to shoot. Yeah, because right? you can't just white balance afterwards. Nothing like, like that, that stuff is coming with the film. Right. So if you're shooting, like say concert photography, you want it black and white, right? right. You'll do. You'll get a film at at a film of uh, I mean speed of thirty two hundred. Yeah, you're shooting Ilford. Uh, right. What's it called? So uh, if you're doing that digitally, you have yeah. to put the mind. That's my approach. Sure. When I'm editing stuff, okay, if I was shooting this on a Porsche 400, yeah. how would I edit it? Not sure. like, oh, I'm just going to edit whatever and see what it is. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah. They don't know that they they should be trying to emulate film. Yeah. For me, I was always trying to emulate film as well because right. uh, I think it's very apparent from my from my work, even yeah. my digital stuff. And if you if you can, see, I think most people that have shot for a little bit can see that this is truly truly. Uh, I and and like weirdly speaking of someone we've talked about constantly today is Imrose. Like when me and Imrose connected, the first thing first conversation me and him had was he was like, "You must be shooting film," and I was like, "No, I haven't shot film in a long time." like like this post from like seven months ago these three were like film but the rest is just digital and like that's what we really bonded on at yeah. the beginning um, and I'm the same as you I was trying to emulate film always and because I like when it comes to photography I'm or when it comes to the visual aesthetic side of it I'm not super drawn myself to like the sharp like uh, extremely like digital looking stuff, which is amazing, and people do amazing work in it. I totally understand, but for my own work and my own like style as I've developed it, I'm more into like soft focus. I'm more into uh, I hate the grain. Sharp top topic. Yeah, the me and you have talked about this before. It, sharpness is like so subjective. Yeah, like, I totally understand. Like yeah. I shoot like uh, with my digital setup, I shoot from a place where. Um, I can I start at a sharp image because it's easier to take start from a sharp image and go backwards yeah. in post right. But anyway, going back to that whole conversation, um, so with 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 the street photography, I have two approaches. Um, the two approaches I have is one, um, I'm trying to capture a moment. I don't want to disturb the subject, so I'm trying to be as stealthy as possible, right? And um, I shot like like I was telling you, I shot like a digital Leica for so long, so I was just shooting all manual, and I got used to that, and I got used to like how I could get my shots model with that. Uh, that was an M9. And so, oh, okay, okay. yeah, my, my, and then that was the one with the, the sensor issues that I had. When I switched to Fuji last year, that was the first time in like four years I had something with autofocus in it. Because even when I shot film, I never bought a, fo a point and shoot. I, always I, bought, I remember you messaged me about the <laughs> autofocus. You're like, yeah, this is a little too much. Yeah, like, I didn't I like it, it at first because it was weird yeah. to like give my control up. It's tough because you're yeah. going from a completely, well, Anyone that knows that any man um, like how you get even digital, yeah, it's all manual focus, right? So you I know, mean, they make they make like a few like point and shoots, but for the most yeah. part, the main like model that everyone wants the M, yeah. a line is all manual, which is what the M probably stands for. Right. Um, but uh, anyway, going back to it, the other approach that I use with street photography, and it really depends on my mood. And again, I think a lot of this goes back to like the previous conversation we were having about my childhood and how I grew up. You know, sometimes I'm in the mood to like talk to people. Sometimes I'm like, I want to push myself out of yeah. my comfort zone and go have a conversation with someone. And so 
uh, the portraits that you see on my page are all a result of that right. uh, versus the other stuff might be more like run and gun, if you will. Um, and I'm learning, I'm, ha- I'm starting to have more patience going back to the film thing. That's why I, when I started shooting film, it made me look at light in a completely different way and understand light in a completely yeah. different way. And so now I do go to certain places over and over and over again because I know what the light will do there. Yeah. When I'm in certain parts of the market, I know this is how the light hits. And I'll go to other different times of the day just, just to know like what the light's doing at the time um, just so I can go back and try to capture that. Um, and then with like the street portraits, it's a little bit more like freestyle. Like I'll just, those are more like, I don't really care what the weather's looking like. I just want to go and see if I can have some conversations with people. So something I did, something we were talking about is, um, I shot like a medium format camera like last month. I've been shooting it. Like I, if I was still back home, I would still probably be shooting it. And what are you um, shooting on? The medium? It, the RZ67. Okay. So much for not talking about gear. But, uh, <laughs> but like, uh, it's like this giant brick of a camera, right? Like, it's, it's something you're looking down into. It's a waist level viewfinder, and it's just huge. And, like, the, the, uh, the, do you the, have like an eyepiece for it or do you just look at it? Just... I look at it and then there's a magnifying glass and you can pop it up and look into okay. the magnifying glass. But the hood, the hood on the lens, it looks like a plunger. Like right. it's, it's like rubber and it's huge. And when you're carrying it around, like literally it makes my wrists hurt after carrying it around for like 20 minutes. But like when you're carrying it around, inevitably people are going to see you with this thing and they're going to ask you about it. They're going to talk to you about it. And so I just kind of do that because it'll even if I'm like interested in someone and I'm like, oh, you're whatever about you that's attracting me to come over and talk to you. Um, this is going to force me to have a whole conversation. So sometimes I'll hang out with people for like 20 minutes and just talk to them about life. Right. And then I'll, I'll get a couple of portraits while I'm talking to them. And like, uh, that's usually my approach. I, yeah. I, personally, I'm not into like, I don't mind. Like, we were talking about this. Yeah. Like, I'm not into like taking a picture of someone, uh, then having a reaction after sure. if that happens. I have I'm not content with that picture, so I probably yeah. won't post it, right? Whereas my friend, uh, he's completely different. Yeah, he d- he doesn't care because it's yeah. more so about the shot, and we we can debate about that all the time, right? Right. I was gonna For ask me, you with the, some of your candidates, I mean, not, yeah, candid shots that yeah. you take. Uh, you're probably waiting for like maybe sometimes an eye contact, right? So when you I do get that, that shot, <laughs> I do that a lot. So as soon as you you know you snap it, yeah. what happens after? I was telling you, like I was telling you before, I've actually never had too many bad experiences of taking a picture of someone like in a more candid situation and them coming up to me and just like you know like cussing me out or something. I've had uh, and it, it was both of them experiences I had were in Vancouver. Weirdly enough, I've had like someone come up to me and tell me I did have a person in Seattle tell me that I stole their soul when I took their picture yeah. and I felt really bad about that. Like that that like even in like jokes aside like that that just sounds really deep. Like I scared me. So well, I was that like person's probably going through something. Yeah. I'm not going to feel bad and about so, that. <laughs> um so uh but like I didn't for for the most part um, I, 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 that does happen. And initially when I was shooting, I used to shoot, this is something we talked about before too, cause I shot a whole series like this. Cause I realized I was doing it. I used to shoot people's backs like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, that, you know what's, sorry. Yeah. What's interesting about your work and probably like, cause I've, I've been there yeah. for relatively maybe two years watching it. Right. I feel like there are times you go through certain phases right. as most photographers. Right. And I do feel like there is a, something happened I would say earlier this year where you just switched. Yeah. And switched as in, I'm talking about composition. Yeah. Just overall quality of the image. Because I also, I also thought you were just shooting digital like on the Leica, but I thought you weren't doing much in post-process. Yeah. Because the stuff looked very, it had like soft pastel look. Yeah. And, and that's I, just a side effect of that sensor. Like literally what it is. But it looked amazing, yeah. right? So even like just regular portraits that you were shooting, they weren't over-processed. Maybe they were, but I can't tell, right? Yeah, I, couldn't tell. I can't tell that either. Yeah, I, don't I, just, I just thought there was a there is a there was a time something happened where your shit just kind of switched. Yeah, and it's been on that incline since. Yeah, I mean, and what that was weirdly going back to the autofocus conversation. Yeah. When I first got a camera with autofocus, I started doing a lot more of this whole let me go talk to someone and have a conversation. Right. Before that, I used to be too nervous because there's so many settings in a manual camera to get it all right to like, if I'm going to go stand in front of somebody and then 
the whole idea when you go up to someone and you go, let me take your picture, right? First of all, you shouldn't probably say that. You That's should be like, let me photograph you. Yeah. yeah. You, you got to sound professional. Like yeah. yeah. You got you to gotta sound professional. You got to sound confident in what you're doing, right? And so um, when I started doing that, one of the things I was always really self-conscious about was like, I'm going to get in front of this person. I'm going to start fumbling around with this camera and they're going to be like, what are you doing, right? And so how do I manage all of that? Outside of the people I actually knew, and I was shooting their portraits. So um, I got really comfortable without the Fuji, with autofocus, because I was just like, you just point it. You know, you, put, you make sure your eyes are in focus or whatever, and then your composition's good, and you're good. You're solid. And again, that was one of the first times I went and shot an EVF, too. And before that, I was shooting the rangefinder. So, like, even though the composition tells you one thing, that square tells you a certain thing in a rangefinder, doesn't mean that's how it's going to come out. Yeah. It's estimating. Um, and so uh, it was the first time I was shooting something that was actually like an SLR, quote unquote. Um, and so that's probably, I think, the uh, start of it. And at the same time that I started doing that, I started doing this whole, uh, it was something I never did before that point. I can definitely say maybe I did it to a smaller scale, but I started doing these like, I'm going to shut myself off from like Instagram, partially because I didn't want to get used to like, I have to post something right now because I, I gotta have to I have to stay consistent and the gratification, um, but partially too because I didn't want to be influenced by my peers, um, and for me, uh, I'm not that influenced by my peers. There's not very many that I'm influenced by, and I I've like shouted out people that I'm influenced, including yourself, by, uh, and like even even as much as like influence it's more also like like someone like yourself keeps me wanting to do more right it's like this friendly competition if you will right um versus like i'm more inspired by like fan ho like like i, I dig into these books right? right i'm more influenced by cinema like i'll watch movies over and over and over again and i just i rewatched like all the godfathers like three times in like the last three months because the lighting's amazing that's that's exactly what i do man. the I lighting is amazing in the godfather like they use shadows yeah. so well and it's like just the perfect amount is lit and it's just this perfect classic style this is this is what i was telling um, you when um I love shooting early in the morning, right? Most yeah. of my friends, they work in the city. They don't start shooting until, like, after in the evening. And yeah. they'll, you know, they're all, like, night crawlers. They'll go around shooting till 3, three 4 in the morning. Mm -hmm. I can't do that, right? I like shooting in the morning because I like the light changing. Yeah. Right? Oh, me too. And my, portra uh, my portraits will get more dramatic and better throughout sure. the day. And I don't know, I've kind of, in my style, I figured out how to use the sun to my advantage. Yeah. Right? I can manipulate shadows and stuff, get more out of it. I think right. some of our best shots, you can ask these guys, I'll give them help for it. Like, like yo, just wait, just wait for this or act, like, you know, stand yeah. here and stuff. And sometimes they'll have, you know, the light will be blinding them, but it always works out in the end. Yeah, no, it's, it, for me, it's just this weird process of, consuming like crazy yeah and then creating like crazy yeah. but like in a weird like i'm just shutting myself off from everything else i mean i still go to work and stuff but um you know it's just it, it's just this weird cycle that i found myself going on back and forth and again my inspirations are probably just as much cinema as they are other photographers right um because i just again i went to school for it um, I learned how to analyze it really early. I just, like, earlier this year, I read my cinema book, like, the textbook, and I just started learning about things like, like, mise-en-scene, um, like, things like posing people, and just, just all of that, right? Uh, like, the different elements that go into a shot, because when you think about that, like, even when I'm shooting on the street, um, and that's where, again, shooting portraits fulfills, like, a certain need for me versus shooting, like, just candid street stuff. Shooting candid street stuff is more about, like, the hunt, if you will, right? Yeah. It's about, like, you go out, you're trying to find this moment, the decisive moment, as, like, Andre Cartier-Busson said, yeah. which he, like, coined that term. He's, like, the most famous street photographer. Um, but you're trying to find that decisive moment. You're trying to find whatever. And if you look at my work, uh, like... All the stuff that I capture is just like half the stuff I told you guys. Like it's always it's always around like 
uh, like relationships, like things like that. Like there's, I, I tend to shoot and it, I know it's one of those things that over time I've noticed it about myself so I can tell you, right. but at the beginning I was just doing it. Like the back thing where I was just like, I was doing it cause I was too shy to like approach someone or whatever. Right. So I just noticed they were wearing a really cool print and it matched with the background or it did something with the background. So I took that shot. Um, and then I was like, I came, became conscious of it and I was like, forget it. I'm going to shoot this. Like it's just a series, which I did. And then, um, and I try to do stuff like that too. Like I've shot to albums before too. I used to do that very early. I used to do that a lot. Like my favorite albums, I'm like, I'm going to make a shot for every one of these. So I just put my headphones in and see what happens. Right. Um, what's your favorite, um, album? Cover? I can't tell you. No, I can't tell. No, I can't tell. Not like I'm shy, but like, I just don't know. Like it's no, too many. I, Cause for me, like even like album covers was such a oh, big album deal. covers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, th that's also one of, one of the things like when I'm digging, if I, yeah. if I go look for vinyl, the one with the most fire album cool. cover yeah, yeah, yeah. probably got a crazy sample in it. Right. I'm more, I'm more of a fan of like artwork rather than photography. But when it comes to photography, in my opinion, there's nothing better than DMX like in blood. Uh, to you guys, for somebody like me, just to bring it back to hip hop, who are some of the goats when it comes to hip hop photography for the people who may not know the names but yeah. might might recognize the images? For me, it's it's uh, it's Che. And, um, oh, Shimoto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's him all day because of the Tupac pictures. Like, hundred percent. Yeah. I for me, like it is. Yeah, it is Shimoto. It is. I, I gotta take it back a bit more. It's Martha Cooper. Okay. Because the, it's the first like. All the graffiti images I used yeah, to see yeah, yeah. were shot by her. Yeah. All the b-boy stuff and like early hip hop stuff. But thing is, I didn't know it was her, and I also didn't know it was a right. woman. Uh, probably like Hype Williams too. Like just those music videos. Yeah. Going back to like how you were saying like you're trying to present your friends. Like for me, those are like my early reference points. Like 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 Nas like on top of a building and Nas and Diddy on top of a building. Yeah. Like you know, and like these kind of things were just so like iconic in my mind. And like to this day, like I know a lot of people didn't like that new Nas album, but like just the fact that Nas and Diddy were on that like song, like I listen to that every day. I feel like um, still, um, and 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 hate, and I'm not saying hate me now is like a great song or anything, but it just hit. Yes, it is at the right time. Okay, great well, yeah, song, great video, okay, good, great good. Everything. I'm glad you agree with me because like it just hit at the right time when I was a kid that it was just like my favorite thing, and it's just it just lived with me. And I'm also like, if you're gonna ask me to pick, I'm gonna pick Nas. I'm also the odd the oddball guy that and always picks. Uh, I You're am. picking Nas over Jay-Z? Yeah, all day. All right, get the fuck out of my house right <laughs> now. <laughs> <laughs> it's the rock. Uh, no man no, I gotta yeah. pick Nas all day cause yeah, I grew yeah. up on like I know, you know in different it's, parts of my life that yeah. argument has changed yo, within yeah, my yo, own early, head, so. early on like I've always picked Nas yeah right it's only like now where 444 has me like questioning myself but then I go back to that meme where it's like you're trying to kick knowledge like you know like yeah. that that whole thing but like for me uh, going back to like you were asking me earlier like what artists I really grew up in I would be I, I would have to like talk about like the fact that I listen to a bunch of Nas and I listen to a bunch of Dead Prez. So like that informs like my views on politics like yeah. to this day. And like just, you know, I guess being quote unquote like conspiracy theorist almost, like but I used to love that stuff. Like I used to just eat it up. Or even like the modern day example for me is like like a Absol, right? Where he just goes into like like Crawley, like if, and I didn't know who Crawley was until I listened to one of the early Absol songs where he was talking about it. His last whole album was based on Crawley, but I went back and I read like a bunch of stuff on Crawley because I was like, who's this guy keep talking about? Right. And then, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm really into that. Like stuff that makes me think on that kind of level. Um, like I'm still messing with like, I'm still really processing like the Lupe album this year because there's just so much in that album. Yeah. Um, and he's just doing so much, and and I think it's crazy because for a long time he was talking about, uh, you know, he was talking about like if I actually got to create my own thing, like I would do this. And you're like, yeah, right. Like you've just dropped a couple duds on us, but he did legitimately drop something that was really amazing. And it took, it wasn't the album that like people were gonna like right away or like period. It was the album for the guy that wants to sit there and like dissect it and then go, okay, this is in phases, and like now he's talking about this and he's making these references. Um, I've always been into that, so. Uh, so, you know, the old uh, method of how people were just hiring photographers to mm -hmm. be set agencies, and there's like a lot of exclusivity of only, you know, a handful of guys that were working from those, and you can only get your stuff done through that. It yeah. seems like it, that model is still there. Like, obviously, mm -hmm. it works in like fashion houses. 
but as far as like at least like in the hip hop culture, it's kind of getting slowly removed because right. in the past two three years, it's all these kids yeah. that are doing it themselves straight off, you know, social media. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, these kids are like you know the go to photographer. A lot of these. Uh, uh, magazines and even some fashion stuff and all these artists what do you think of this new wave of these photographers that are doing it themselves sure and, and it's the same thing right just like rap they don't fully yeah. know everything and it, it, right you know they're not that knowledgeable about like you know the martha coopers sure. and stuff yeah, but yeah. It, and and also some of them have just you know like a gunner style has just adopted like that flash yeah style photography which yep yep you know, so how, it's been how around for a long time, but it right. just adapted to hip hop. Yeah. So yeah. how do you how do you feel this new wave sure. of success that's happening in the politics that kind of come with it? It's a weird, like conflicting thing. Right. For me, anyway, because um, it's the par- direct parallel is hip hop. Yeah. Right. Because you kind of have the same thing that's happened where before you had to get signed on by a tastemaker and that that was your channel. Right. So if you didn't fit. Like, it sucked. But then it was amazing because all these kids that were making amazing music that were making it in their basement got an opportunity, could get an audience, could get a following, and then they could just be independent. Like, they could just be like, forget it, I'm doing this myself. Um, so that's, like, the, the, the amazing part of it. But then you start to have, and this is the conflicting part for me, is you start to have maybe, like, a, a diminishing of the actual quality of work. And specifically to photography, I don't know if this is applicable to to hip hop because I'm not a rapper or I'm not a singer or like, you know, I'm not in the music business. So I can't I couldn't say. But for for photography, what I find and you probably find this all the time. And this is a little bit of elitism probably in both of us um, for real. But is I meet so many kids that don't really even know how to use their camera. Right. Like they have it in automatic and like they just they just have a lens they paid the money they they pay the entry fee for the equipment and they go to a certain amount of shows and they just start capturing some pretty decent images but their whole goal is to just blow up on Instagram which, which to a certain degree like it's fine i yeah. get it i'm i'm not a big fan of that either my, my only thing with these like um you know like the talk we went to yesterday yeah. right um is these kids are blowing off strictly because of the subject in their content right yeah. which might be like a jay-z or beyonce right do we really care about these photographers or do we care about the subject the actual yeah right like again it goes to access conversation like you have access to this person yeah like a gunner right. stall grew up with like right now the hottest people out are like you know your playboy cardies young thug yep. and stuff that's their homeboy that grew up with them so i'm right. gonna take pictures of him and now as a kid I love their music. I love these pictures. Oh, I yeah. love you too. Gunner and Stone. to a certain extent, there's an office. Uh, I'm spacing. I can't say this word. Uh, English is like my third language, by the way. Uh, authenticity yeah. to to that, right? Because you have this kid that's from that life with that artist. Again, it goes back to like, I like your work with these guys because you understand them. You hang out with them, right? So it's not just like, we just hired someone that doesn't know anything about Toronto, doesn't know anything about the scene here, doesn't know anything about Apne, and then they're shooting these guys, right? So to a certain extent, there's there's obviously a positive there. Uh, For me, where I start, where it starts getting like a little eye roll for me is when, uh, when kids aren't even interested in like, it's the whole, it's the whole like trolling culture that like we live in where people are like, it's it's why like such like old heads always have this problem of like you can't dismiss uh you can't dismiss Eminem like just because he came before your time like study the culture or whatever right become a student of the game um and a lot of that for me comes from on my background being Punjabi right like we're taught that kind of stuff growing up I'm taught that stuff like with Gwali artists like they respect their elders they take on their name right and like classical musicians these kind of things is a part of our culture so to me it's weird when somebody's like oh I'm gonna profit off of hip-hop and I'm not gonna like at the end of the day say things like oh hip-hop doesn't move me or I don't listen to these artists at all they're just some old people right or whatever and again this is coming from someone that like I love jazz and I like listen to jazz like crazy and that's way before my time right and and, um, but I, I figured it out. I understand it and I, and I like it for certain things, but, um, going back to the photography thing, I think again, where, where it starts to like get kind of frustrating for me is when you have kids that are just in it for like the clout 
or whatever. Um, and then that's it, right? Like there's no growth. But they've also, made. But that comes with being a kid too, right? True. But there's a lot of things like, I know, like I, I'll feel a certain way about someone doing something, but then I just gotta remind myself, like I was doing. Yeah, and like I said, shit. it's a conflicting thing, and at yeah. the same time, there's like an authentic experience there from that kid, right? Of like what he was seeing at that moment and how he saw it. Um, so you can't take that away because it's still art. That's still something that that they created from a place within themselves. Um, yeah, I just it's like I said, it's like a weird, conflicting conversation. I yeah. feel the same way about hip hop because I can't. At the end of the day, I can't shit on like all these art young artists. I don't listen to the majority of them, but I get it, and they're still moving the culture forward, and they're still doing certain things. Um, but yeah, for me, it's just it's and it probably comes from some like weird like egotistical place of like I want you to have to put in your ten thousand hours. I haven't put in my ten thousand hours. In, in like, today's age and today's climate, yeah. are is ten thousand enough? I feel I like it, we, we well hold on. I think people aren't even hitting ten thousand and they're popping off. If that's right. what you're asking me, yeah. Because I think there's people that put in a hundred hours and they become viral. Right, right. And they take off, and they never even put in a hundred thousand. I'm like, I sit here and put it, calculate like what it would take me to to make a hundred thousand or put a hundred thousand hours with photography, and it's probably gonna be like by the time I'm like fifty years old, right? Yeah. Like to me, my idols in photography didn't create their best work till they were old, right? And so, and and I I respect that process, and I understand, I understand that everything I'm doing, and and because it's it's one of those things you fight with, and I'm sure this is like an interdisciplinary thing that you guys maybe even go through. Because there's times where I'm like I'm gonna cram all this stuff into my brain, right? And I'm just gonna learn like as much as I can about this discipline, or just lighting, or just posing people, or whatever that might be. And I've done that, and it shows. There's like definitely like growth, but. Um, at the end of the day, like where I am right now, I'm pretty sure in 20 years, I'm going to be like, I was still trying to figure myself out. Yeah. Um, cause I'm still to a certain extent imitating certain people. Like it's not 100% coming from myself. What I'm doing is I'm learning, oh, Stanley Kubrick used this to show this emotion, use this angle to show this emotion, use the 35 millimeter to do this. That was his thing. I'm, I'm learning that or I'm learning, you know, Fan Ho used this this technique use shadows like this or uh you know brisson use them like a certain way right but i'm just learning tools to be able to try to get what's in here like out right and in my opinion once you do that enough is once you develop your own voice right you got to do that you got to you got to copy people to a certain extent and so i totally wouldn't ever bash on anyone that's like just picking up a camera and just trying to do something that someone really famous on instagram is trying to do um and just try to replicate that because there's a certain lesson there um and i've learned that lesson too because there's like certain fads that have come and gone since i've been on instagram that i was like how are they doing that and just having to go and teach yourself before the YouTube videos started coming out. Like, cause now it's like something comes out and people are like, Oh, this is how you do it in, in Lightroom. And this is like pre that it was just like, how are they doing this? How are they getting this look? Um, I think that's powerful. Like having to actually struggle, but I'm also like something I know about myself is that I'm not the guy that's going to like open up a book and, and read and like learn, like right, right. I got to do it. Like I got to do stuff. So yeah. Going back to that, that whole, like, thing do you but. do you find yourself uh growing as a person like individually through photography 100 yeah. percent. like i i like i was saying i i'm by nature i'm a very introverted person um and uh i mean i guess whenever i took those tests i was like dead in the middle but i i feel like i have extroverted skills because we moved around a lot when i was a kid so i had to just i was always a new kid so i had to like go talk to people like again going back to like how you were like i used art to be that guy for me it was always just like i gotta i gotta make this person laugh i've gotta like connect with this person um and that should just be genuine or whatever the case might be that was always just my approach so i just picked up those skills like growing up and so for me um like going and just taking my camera down the street like i said uh like the last couple of weeks i've been just shooting i walked around for like four hours one day and i shot 10 shots like because i was just like i'm not running into the right situation i'm running into the right person and my whole idea was i was shooting portraits and you know how you said like you want to show your friends in a certain light i just feel like i've got this talent 
or just drive at least. I don't know if it's fully like manifested itself. Right. Um, and that's the other thing too, like going back to like childhood, like I just never thought I was like talented because I was always told I wasn't. Like when it came to like the art scene, I just did it enough to where I was like, people started like saying stuff about it, right? Or started giving me some compliments. And that's what like helped me kind of get there. Uh, but like, again, going back to like portraits, um, like going up to someone and having a conversation with them and having that life experience is like, it's powerful. Um, and, it, and, and, and like I said, I just feel like I've got this talent or this drive to do this. And why can't I just shoot a bunch of random, like you wouldn't be, you would be very, very surprised at like, like even with your question earlier, you'd be really surprised how many people are excited to get their picture taken by someone that sounds like they know what nobody they're doing. asks them like no one asks you you're like doing a community service like you by like doing this like in a weird kind of way it's like it's very strange and you guys had talked to me earlier about a, a picture that i took of a gentleman and it's, it, it's his back and he is clearly like very not well put together and what that was was i walked into a church because I was just walking past the church, and I was like, I wonder what's up in here, right? And so I walked in there, and um, I just heard noises, like, at the front lobby. I walked in through, like, the side, and I just heard someone screaming. And so I walked out there, and it was this guy was there, and he had no shirt on. His pants were falling down, and he was holding them with one hand. And, um, you know, he was extremely, like, he was just he needed to bathe. Like, there, there was a smell in the entire room, right? And so I started talking to him because I was just like, you know, why, why are you here? And I didn't have any money on me at the time, but I felt like I needed to do something for this guy. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to be right back. So I went and got some money, like, from the ATM, and I gave him some money, and then he just started inquiring, like, about my camera. And I generally, me and you were talking about this, I generally don't like to, that's something I did when I was earlier, like, where I would shoot a lot of, like, homeless people, because if you give homeless people money, they'll they'll pose for you. Like, no joke. It's some weird, like, dollar model, like, that you can hire on the street. And, but at a certain point you start to feel like that's like exploiting the situation a little bit. Um, so for me, I won't take that shot unless I feel like there's, it's really saying something. Um, or if I know the person, if I've talked to them multiple times or I just, like, I just put one up the other day where I knew the guy cause he used to come into the bank when I worked there and he recognized me and I like had a conversation with him. And, um, but anyway, this gentleman was like, I want you to take a picture of me. And I was like, you know, I'm not giving you this money to do that. And he was like, no, take, take a picture of me. And he turned around and he did that. Like he, he just spread his arms out and he just started like, I, I think it was maybe like, you know, in his mind, like, cause he's at a church and it's kind of similar to like the cross. Like, I don't know. I don't know exactly what he was going for, but I took it and he looked at it and it was cause I was on digital. He looked at it and you know, he was like, this is, I really like this. Make sure you do something with this and stuff like that. It was weird. It's a weird experience where like, now when I sit back and I think about it, it's like some weird like dots connecting kind of thing. Um, but it's dope because it stays with you, right? Yeah, it stays, it's, just, it's like a legitimate interaction that I had with a human being. That's a crazy thing because it's like the picture that we're talking about, like the reason why we talked about it is because yeah. I, I was so intrigued that he was wearing pants underneath his pants, two, right? right? Two pants, yeah. Two pants, right? That's what shorts, drew me like, to the yeah. picture, right? But now to hear the fucking story that went behind that fucking one shot, right? right. And that's the beauty of photography, right? Yeah. There's a little bit that is left up to the viewer to try right. to figure out. But then there's also the actual story that went behind yeah, it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's the beauty of and for me, the guessing and trying to find yeah, out yeah, yeah. what it for means. For me, with right? like captions, I usually hint at like an emotion. That's like my approach. That's where I've gotten it down to. Is I'll just I'll say a word usually to try to provoke something. Um, but I didn't. I don't want to sit there and write a story about everyone I meet. Yeah, it takes away and from it. It takes away from it also. And then you get this weird kind of thing where like sometimes you get attached to certain photographs as a photographer or as a creative because of just something you overcame to, to get that shot. Right. Um, and, and, and when you put it up, like it's the one that gets like three likes or yeah, whatever, no right? One cares. No that, one cares. Yeah. And so it's a, you always try to figure out that, like for me, at least I always try to figure it out and I've just kind of defaulted to, well, this moved me. So I'm putting it up. I don't care. Right. Like that's just what it is. But so, uh, just to wrap up here, I just want to know where do you see, uh, like yourself with your photography in the next five years? Sure. Are there certain things like, do you have on your checklist that you're trying yeah. to accomplish? Um, you know, just, uh, even in your style or, um, 
uh, techniques and stuff? Is there a certain place mm-hmm. that you're trying to get to, maybe like studio or such? Sure. Uh, so just where do you kind of see yourself going? Yeah. Um, I, uh, I mean, definitely maturing as much as I possibly can. Like I said, going back to that 10,000 10, hours thing. Um, you know, just getting out there and shooting more and more because the more you try to learn, you realize, like, if you're not actually going out there and practicing it, like, you, you got to do it. And and to me, like, the closest metaphor for street photography is jazz music because it's probably because I like jazz music so much, but it's, like, this idea of you're, you're practicing, 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 but then you're out in the world and it's moving and now you have to perform, you have to improvise. Um, and that's, I really been trying to like develop that idea. So the idea is like, I can really understand, which is why I shoot a Leica still, because I understand it technically really, really well. So when I'm out in the street, I can operate off impulse. I can operate off of some emotion that moves me versus like me just picking up the camera, trying to figure it out and trying to get a shot. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, trying to work on that more, trying to get like what's in here, like out, uh, ultimately, uh, for me, I'm not really into the idea of like, like it's cool. It's really, really cool. Like, don't get me wrong. And I, I've, if I got the opportunity, I would be like totally down. Like, well, who wouldn't? But like the the talk that we were listening to yesterday with uh, Raven, Raven, like to me, the ultimate idea. Like, I'm not super moved by that. Like, to go shoot Jay Z again, if I had the opportunity, but it's not something I'm working towards. I guess I'll say it that way. Um, if I was like Jay-Z's tour photographer and honestly, what I could add to that situation is probably like the backstage stuff. I would, I would easily like, I noticed that, you know, like with her, she was almost a little hesitant to say like I did behind the scenes stuff. I would love to do behind the scenes stuff rather than you actually being on stage. Let me come hang out with you like behind the scenes and like, let's talk, let's have a conversation. Let me shoot you in your everyday life. I'm more intrigued by that. I'm more intrigued by the idea of making like everyday mundane life something interesting right and so ultimately where i'd like to go with that is is books um that that's really the path that i see myself going down and you know there's a there's a lot of concepts that i have that i've like you know you like scribble down and you star and circle and highlight in your journal and i've got a few of them where i'm like i i have to in the next five to ten years i have to seriously sit down with one of these concepts and put in the work of like actually shooting and doing it. Um, and it's just been through random, like whether I'm listening to music or a podcast or reading something and, and a word hits you, right? And sometimes it's just really, really dumb stuff. Like uh, I I was just thinking about the other day, like I just wanna go set up my camera at the corner of, and the best place I could think of doing it in Seattle was like the Macy's building because people walk around on all four sides and just shooting on all four sides. So just shooting a roll at least on each side just to see what that gets you. And then when I'm putting it out, and Instagram's weird because you can't like put out your projects like that, but like creating that cycle for people, um, you know, just, just again, just looking around like that kind of thing. But um, but yeah, I've got a ton of like concepts that I want to work into a book. Um, and, and there's a few of them that I've like been really, really passionate about for like, you know, a couple months. And then I'm like, I don't know, but, um, yeah, definitely. And ultimately I think for me, because I have a very decent job and I'm happy with what I do for me with photography, uh, I think my, my goal with it ultimately is to try to try to help as much as I can, like try to maybe have some or, or have some conversation at least about change, about try to bring light to certain things. And it's one thing I've already gotten feedback on and which is why, again, I'm just like fascinated with you guys and some of the stuff that you have access to is so many people, the first thing that like the average white person that comes up that's seen my work talks to me about is like when I've shot the the Kandbat where I've shot like you know like things that are very like close to our culture because they don't see it and this, this is what you were saying you, you were saying like you're looking at us and saying that it's so dope that yeah. they have other people around them yeah. and they're, they're kind of having like the same stuff, moment with me but, like but that's what yeah. I told you that yeah you're looking at me but in your on your side right you're that person yeah so I would personally uh request and challenge you to pay it forward Sure. In the next five years, whether it's because you're a very insightful person, you have yeah. your own philosophies, your own, uh, uh, you know, approach on how yeah. you uh, how you go about this craft and everything that comes within that culture. So I would I would 
challenge you to, to you know, uh, pay it forward to somebody. Sure. Teach them, whether it's through a talk. I think it'd be great. I yeah. think you have a lot to offer in that. And, you know, whether it's a talk or you're mentoring someone and see. Yeah. yeah I, I, think, I think it will go a long way. Not just for, for you, sure. but also uh, making sure, you know, you're keeping that culture, you know, well alive out sure. there. And uh, yeah. see where it goes from there. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the passion that you guys put towards being good at something that you've taken up. And yeah. that is ultimately what we're here to showcase. Yeah. Is that if you're going to dive into something that you really love, please understand it and get to the, get to the highest point that you can possibly get in understanding and in talent as well, yeah. right? Because let's be real for people of our color in all fields i'm not going to say that it's harder but there's there there may be other obstacles that yeah. may not come to other people right yeah. and that is going to make you 10 times greater at what the fuck you do if you take it the right way sure. so for for our younger listeners if you do decide to dive into something like photography understand it um Look to people before you to be inspired off of. And I learned a lot just hearing you guys fucking nerd the fuck out on <laughs> photography right now. But um, we have a, a segment that we like to do where we like to talk about things that we're thankful for. Mm -hmm. And uh, to me, I find it very therapeutic every, every episode. Yeah. Even though half the time I have no idea what the fuck I'm going to talk about. But... um. Yeah, where should we start? Noise, do you want to start it today? Anybody feel confident on going first today? I could just finish it, yeah. Sure, why <laughs> yeah. not? Let's start um, with you. I think for me, uh, for me, what I'm thankful for is really like this opportunity, like I said, because this opportunity to like come here and just soak it up for like a week and then be able to take that energy back with me. Um, even last time and going back to like your earlier conversation, like just connecting with other like creatives that maybe aren't on a level, like they're still developing and still trying to figure it out. But then going back to like the, the paying it forward kind of thing, like going back and, and talking about this and trying to put something like this together. Me and Noise were actually talking about this earlier because in Vancouver, he said the last time he went, that was the first time where he was like, we're organized, like the creatives are organized. And so, um... For me, it's it's definitely that just being able to come here and like just, just soak up the energy and then take it with me and just be mo like super motivated to like go back and do a ton of work. Um, every time I come here, it's like that. All right, I'll I'll go a different route. I don't want to be <laughs> cliche because we're obviously thankful for the conversations. I'll say, um, be th I'm thankful for uh, my body and health because when you do these kind of um, you know, when you're that immersed in the culture and you're out there doing gigs and stuff, you have to respect your body and you have to listen to your body because it's very easy to just lose track of time and be like, you know, no sleep gang, we can do this. Oh, yeah, we'll go do this and then we'll go hit the club. No, because I'm telling you, last two days, I went overtime and yesterday with the event that we went to and already was shooting for nine hours, I spent almost like 20, 21 hours in the city came home and I woke up at two, three, like today. So yeah. I feel like shit, man. So it's so, like, it's like, it's like back pillow gang now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I should have, I should have, I should have left. It wasn't important for me to go to the event. The event was really great. Right. Yeah. Again, just, I, I was still like, I'll go to the event. It'll be great to get an insight off another photographer yeah. and just connect with people. And we did. And, and we ended up obviously hanging up too. But I do see that with, you know, when we do music stuff or photography stuff, the other creatives too, they're just sleepless and they're thinking right. that, hey, we're getting a lot more work done. This comes with it. But guess what? When, you know, God forbid something happens, right. you're pretty much out of commission. And, you know, in our work, whether we're doing photography or we're making music, a lot of it is us just sitting or yeah. doing stuff on screens. And if you have any issues that come up with your ears for mixing or eyes or your back, you're out of commission, man. You're not right. going to be able to do anything. So yeah. then what? Then there's a backlog. So just, you know, be respectful to your own body. Listen to your body and uh, 
move accordingly in these grimy streets. So when is the dusty ash ass cushions dropping on the merch <laughs> line, bro? That's the real question, bro. Uh, 2019. <laughs> All right, you heard <laughs> it here <laughs> first, ladies and gentlemen. Dusty's like a very appropriate name for them too. Yeah. So basically, Dusty, what you're saying is, your neck, your, your back, back <laughs> your pussy, and, and your crack. <laughs> if we, uh, you know, may say the words of the eloquent poet Kaya. Kaya. <laughs> Yo, shout out to Kaya. She's got a, a Christmas song about having sex with Santa Claus. Yeah, uh, Santa Claus. I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to her. We gotta get Kaya on the show. <laughs> so what did you mean by? <laughs> yeah, let's back to your childhood. Like, <laughs> was there neck problems? Yeah. Or was there back problems? And why did it go to the yeah. ass crack? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm licking you. I don't know where you go from there. <laughs> Why are you licking your lips, noise? <laughs> First, you got to put your neck into it. Don't stop. Just do, do it, it. Do it. it. Right. <laughs> I could wrap the whole saw off the dome yeah, right I now. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I just want to... I, I feel like I'm grateful for just having something to do. As vague as that sounds, just like passions in general. Because, like, everybody that's in this room right now, like, I feel like everybody, like, they're driven by some passion. And they're trying to find what speaks to them in the most honest and authentic way. Just pursuing that, even though it takes some time to find what it is you're actually looking for, I think the act of pursuing it in itself is a very beautiful and meaningful thing. Because it allows you to get to the other side. Like, you were talking about having that knowledge of yourself like when you speak you sound like someone who knows who they are like you 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 understand your experiences you understand the person that you are and i think a lot of that comes through processing your experiences processing your life through your artwork mm -hmm. um and I, I feel like i i can definitely connect with a lot of a lot of what you were saying like i find with myself writing rhymes translating experiences into music through a passion through something that i care about it definitely makes life more meaningful. For sure. It gives you something to do and just keeps you busy and puts you on that path for always wanting to, like you're saying, putting in those 10,000 hours, putting you in a position where you want to learn more and you always want to grow. So, yeah, man, I'm thankful for just having that passion because I think as you get older, it's easy to just get comfortable mm -hmm. and just say, well, I'm just going to make money. I'm just going to chill yeah. and I'm not going to care about anything. Without being too cliche, I'm very thankful for photography in itself, right? Without, like, yeah, now photography has become kind of this thing that is so accessible, right? Mm -hmm. Photo who the fuck? Everybody had that uncle who would bring a yeah. fucking camera through back, back in the days, right? That was the only motherfucker that would document shit. If he wasn't there, we would not have half of the family pictures. Whoever that person was... At once upon a time. Now everybody has a camera in their pocket. And that kind of sense of like, yo, we captured something is kind of gone with that. Because it, we capture too much. That, yo, a lot of it is bullshit now, right? But the sense of, I can still open up a, and thankful to my parents that they kept these things. Is I can open up a family photo album. And I could be like, I remember this fucking moment. I remember what mood I was in. I remember the joy in yeah. this very picture. I remember how shit this day was. Right. Just based off a picture, right? And yeah. and that sense, like I hope that we don't lose that with the with photography being so accessible. And I feel like that is the most important thing with new photographers. And you guys touched uh, base on it a lot is capturing a moment. Yeah. And that's what the best photographers do. You're capturing an energy. You're capturing a moment in time. You're capturing a lot of these things, right? So I'm very thankful for the true essence of photography. And I hope that going forward the greater technology that we have going behind photography that we don't lose the essence of what yeah. it is. Honestly, um, this has been a really good conversation. And like I said earlier, we could fucking probably do this all <laughs> night. We could record the longest podcast 
in Guinness World Book of Records. <laughs> but um, on top of that, it seems like you're really, like Noy said, you, you seem like, obviously you have a good head on your shoulders, but you know who the fuck you are, right? And that is part of the immigrant hustle. Yeah. There comes times where we can have an identity battle. It happens to mm-hmm. everybody. Nobody wakes up and is fucking 100% sure of themselves. Yep. It's part of the being a human being, right? But to see how comfortable you are in your own skin now, that is what everybody should inspire to be like. And that is what a lot of people that... the When I look at every person that we are sitting around today, I know that every person here is really comfortable in the skin they are, but there is also a long journey that took yep. them to this point. 100%. Yeah. And that is something with this podcast that we always try to put out there into this world. You may not always be comfortable in your skin, but it's a journey and it's an education in figuring out how and who the fuck you are and then how to how to live with that and to move forward and figuring out what the fuck you want to do with this life that you have on this earth, right? Sure. So... First of all, I want to thank you for coming here. You know, you made the long trip from... <laughs> just to do this podcast. You know, from Seattle, Washington, where the salmon is just flowing. <laughs> up here to uh, to a Brampton basement. I hope, uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation. Yeah, thank you guys for having me, uh, first of all. And then I would also just like to add to the comment you just made. You know, it's, it is a process. And I think... One thing that I've like learned in life is that you you have to live life. Like I I know when you're young, like you're just like I want this now, and we live in that society where everything's instant gratification. But you have to at the end of the day, you have to put time in and you have to work. So if I sound like I know myself, it's because I've spent a lot of time with myself, quite honestly, and I've you know I've meditated on it and I've done like different things, and so. Like, I, I think we should be a little bit more, um, you have to, like, re- reprogram yourself to be able to put the work in um, to get somewhere rather than, again, again it's very cliche, but it's, it's, it's really the journey, right? And it's not the destination. Um, this is the Immigrant Hustle Podcast. Okay. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> <laughs>